0: This is Dalio's Principles, a Philosophical Examination, the unofficial podcast companion for Ray Dalio's book, Principles. This podcast will deeply explore the book and principles. The podcast is hosted by Micah Bays and John Sextro. Micah has a PhD in philosophy and has taught numerous college philosophy courses, including The Meaning of Life, Ethics, and Reason and Argument. John shares his perspective from years of experience trying to live out Ray's principles in his life and work. And you can follow us on Twitter. Micah is at Micah Bays, all one word, and I am at John Sextro, all one word. And now this week's episode. I'm Micah Bays. I'm John Sextro. Back again with Dalio's principles: a philosophical examination. This episode, we're talking about principle 1.8, which says way, second and third order consequences. So, Michael, we thought that we would start off by talking a little bit about what Dalio means and what is meant in general by second and third order consequences. I think most people easily understand this on the surface, but just want to be sure everyone's um, in alignment with what we mean when we say second and third order consequences. So we agree that the first order consequence, uh, of anything is, is the, uh, the obvious and the initial, um, reaction to any action that we might take. So, uh, if we say like in the, in the example in the book, start working out, there's, there's the pain of making time to work out. That is uh, very much a, a first order consequence. Right. Yeah. That the pain immediately follows right from the action or is during the action even. Okay, but then we have the second and the third order consequences, which are a little harder uh, to think about. I like to think of them myself. The way I have thought of them is ripples in water where I drop the pebble. The first order consequence is the first ring. Uh, the second order consequences are that second ring because the first ring caused the second ring. Third ring is the third order consequence, which is also caused by the second, essentially the outcome of the second order consequence. And it's a chain of events. Micah, how do you see it?
1: Right. I think yeah, roughly the same way. Uh, yeah, this idea of chain of events, um you know, a lot of times our we have an intended result from our action, but of course other things can frequently follow from that first action. And so uh I think you know Ray's just pointing out, you know, when you make your decision, you don't want to look just at that first intended action, but recognize, okay, other things will likely follow and so think through what all is likely to occur as a result of your first order consequence.
0: Micah, there's a key quote from uh, Dalio's book here that says first order consequences often have opposite desirabilities from second order consequences, which if you just sort of break that down into layman's terms means that the second order consequence you're going to get is more desirable than that first order first order consequence in, in this case. So if you are going to start working out, that's painful and maybe you don't want to do that. But when you consider the second order consequence of becoming more fit, that's the desirable outcome. And those, so these things are sort of juxtaposed against each other. Right. I, I think you can, I think a lot of times I often flip this around in the other direction, Micah. And I say that I might make a decision that has a good first order of consequence outcome but I fail to consider the second and third order consequence. So I also think it's important to, um, to highlight that in regard to what this principle says. And it's not just to pay attention to the second and third order consequences or to weigh the second and third order consequence, because it's always naturally going to be a better outcome, but to consider that those consequences can also have negative outcomes. So you might choose, a path that has a good first order consequence, but has poor second and third order consequences. So it's just sort of flipping that one way or the other, turning that around a little bit. So maybe I avoid, I decide to avoid working out so I can be comfortable and sit on my couch, (laughs) but then it has terrible second and third order consequences of maybe getting diabetes, getting heavier, all of those sorts of things. So in terms of that as a, an axiom, from Dalio, uh, can you think of things from when you were maybe younger that would have you, you might've experienced something similar to this, but
1: definitely, certainly food, right? That's one we all experience. And, and this goes both ways, right? On the one hand, you have food that tastes really good, right? Sugary things or things high in fat. Um, they taste really good, but if you were to make them like your primary source of nutrition, uh, that would have bad consequences. Uh, so there it is, right? It's something that's good on a first order level, but has bad long term consequences or bad second, and third order consequences. Uh, again, if if it's your primary source of food, which you know, as a kid, of course, that's what you want, right? Um, Sugar, want the sugary cereals, and yeah, you, know, you want to eat a ice cream for breakfast, that sort of thing. Of course. <laughs> um, but you know, it goes the other way as well in that. Well, bad foods, quote unquote, bad foods—things that don't taste that good, uh, like Brussels sprouts. I remember sitting at the dining table, and my parents, you know, would say, "Look, you can't finish your meal, or you can't get up until you finish that Brussels sprout." And those were the most disgusting things ever. It's oh, hard. I, I remember gagging, right, just trying to eat
0: one. And one the, time. the longer you wait, the colder it gets, <laughs> the worse it gets. Yeah, the more congealed. It
1: it's. Yeah, yeah. I know I've gotten old because I had some Brussels sprouts oh like a year or so ago, and I actually enjoyed them. Right now, this was different because someone like sautéed them and had some really good seasoning on them. So it's totally different than when I had as a kid just some bland Brussels sprout,
0: boiled Brussels sprouts. uh- uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but you know, so Brussels this sprouts, episode I, brought to you by the Brussels sprouts Council <laughs> of yeah, America. I don't think they'll be sponsoring us,
1: um, but you know so that tastes bad that's the first order of consequence that you're thinking about but of course you know if you were to not that you would make brussels sprouts your primary source but you might say vegetables in general or something like that they would have overall good consequences right they have a lot of nutrition um they're also lower in calories right um as far as like weight goes you can eat like a ton of brussels sprouts And you still only consume like 20 calories or something like that. But yeah, I I remember as a kid just thinking, why is it that the bad foods, right? The the foods that taste bad are the ones that are healthy or healthful, I think it is. Um, And then the foods that taste great aren't good for you. You Why couldn't it be the other way around?
0: Right. It it would seem to uh, make sense from an evolutionary perspective that we would we would become attracted to the most calorie dense healthy the most healthful calorie dense foods available to us because that would help us ensure uh the procreation of the race right so from we would be attracted to those things and maybe that is indeed what the case has been is that we're attracted to carbs and which has energy and sugars which have energy in them and They're cheap calories, like, quote, unquote, cheap calories, a lot of calories, calorie-dense stuff.
1: Right. You know, because we're certainly in a kind of newer situation now that for us, really, food is not scarce, right? (laughs) Food is overabundant. Um, In most cases. In most cases, right. Um, But in the past, for most people, food was scarce, and so it kind of made sense that, you know, it's more important than anything at that point to have some kind of, you know, energy. Um, and then, you know, the nutritional value was kind of a second consideration, but it wasn't the most important
0: in that scenario. So when you think about this one, just to back up maybe a little bit, do you more think of it in terms of, I should be mindful of working through the pain of a, of a tough decision to push through uh, to what is that good second and third order consequence, just like with the food here where we're talking about, and I don't really like Brussels sprouts that much, but I know that they're better for me. Is that like immediately where your head goes to when you think about this, this principle, or are you thinking, well, I should be more mindful of, of any decision that I'm making and evaluating what the second and third order consequences are are just in general to see, am I is a is what I think on the surface level going to be a good decision? And let me just back up and say maybe these things aren't mutually exclusive of each other. But that you're considering, you know, if I decide this today, what are going to be my second and third order consequences? And is the is this going to somehow damage others by me making a decision today, or should I be just focused on how is this going to impact me from a maybe from a philosophical perspective, like you know if I was a hedonist or something right, I would f- focus just on like as you've instructed me, Micah, that what are the things that are pleasurable for me, and sort of maybe damn the rest of the people, so if my first order consequence is I get pleasure, but it means that it hurts somebody else should I even consider those consequences
1: right well, so one uh hedonism. Again, I'll say hedonism, like in an academic sense or, you know, it's used in philosophy, uh, doesn't make any, you might say, judgments about whether you should consider just your own, you know, pleasure and pain or whether you should consider others. Um, Hedonism is just in generally the claim, right, that pleasure is the only good for you and pain's the only bad. And that goes for every other, you know, human being and animals as well. Um, But, I take it this principle just by itself doesn't say anything about whether you should cons- consider just yourself or all others. Um, there's you know, a larger question that has to be answered or dealt with about what makes action rational. And um, interestingly, I, I think uh, Ray seems to indicate that, the most rational thing to do is to pursue the overall good. That's the most rational thing to do. Uh, So thinking back to his talk about the hyenas and the wildebeest um, and how, you know, nature is optimizing for the good of the whole and not just yourself. And he says, you know, to take the judgment that, you know, something's bad for you without looking into its effect on everybody else is short-sighted. um, but at the same time, you know, he doesn't say. Therefore, we should all pursue the rational, the thing which is most uh, beneficial for all. Um, that's a maybe another topic, but
0: sure. But I was, I was specifically thinking back to this this moment on the podcast where you made me feel horrible about myself because i wasn't like which uh, one was that yeah all of them uh, it was the one where you you asked me you know am i doing everything i can within my power to make life better for those around me am i giving up my snacks and my uh my pleasurable pursuits to donate all of my money you know so that that's that's like a a, a second and third order consequence every time i make a decision to spend money on um on, on watching a, a movie or, um, or buying a, a new t-shirt or something. It's like, Oh, I, I, I decided to do this where the second and third order consequences, maybe of those things are like, well, I, you're not giving that money to charity and right. then people are dying because you didn't give money to charity. The third order consequence, right? Like, should I be evaluating things at that level every time? Maybe. Maybe uh, again,
1: <laughs> so I think you know just this principle. The consider the second, third order consequences doesn't speak to that. Um, I think it's going to be okay. Whatever in the background, you know, whatever your overarching, whatever I'm going to say, the correct overarching principle of about what's rational per- to pursue or what's moral to pursue, uh, all big hairy questions, um, you know. Whatever it turns out is the rational thing to do, then presumably this principle then gets just applied to whatever that answer is. And it's saying, hey, don't just pursue or don't just think about the first order, but take into account second and third.
0: Um, right. And so as we've talked through this, and I I did a poor job of really asking you my initial question, you but it, it helped things. <laughs> I'm kidding. Great. <Right. laughs> You made me feel bad. 10 podcasts in a row. Okay, perfect. We'll keep the streak going. So what I was really saying was, and I think I understand better now, and I don't know how many times I've read this principle, but now I'm feeling like I'm having this sort of revelation about it in that what Ray is really pointing us to is it's easy, easy for us to see super easy for us to see what the first order consequence of our decisions are. And by and large, people move around all the time making making lots of decisions every day. And that those decisions that that are the difficult ones or the ones that are going to maybe have an an initial response that is painful or hard, challenging, etc., that it's in those cases where we shouldn't just stop at thinking about that first first order consequence, as he as he so aptly calls out with with exercising, and say, "Man, that just sucks. I have to take my time. I'm going to be sore. It's hard. I get sweaty. I get stinky. You know, all of the things that <laughs> I guess you maybe grow to love when you work out, but when you when you get back into it each time, it's like this is horrible, <laughs> and that you have to really pause and think, okay. All of those things are true, but I've got to examine more deeply. What are the reasons why I might do this at a second and third order level? You know, so there's all, all all sorts of health benefits. And then those health benefits amplified at the third order level in terms of, does it help, you know, if I have diabetes, not only do I get fit, but it helps me uh, with my diabetes. And so that live longer, whatever it is be happier you know feel better um so that it's really less about thinking trying to think through and rationalize how is every decision that i make having second and third order consequences on others right that was the thing that i was sort of getting at was like because i feel like i would get stuck in this in this analysis paralysis of every decision that i made and i mentioned that metaphor of the butterfly flaps its wings in Central America and 50 orders of consequence later, there's a tsunami in Japan. It's like, how could I go around making any decisions thinking that, Oh my God, there's like 10 orders of consequence of things that this affects people. But it's, it's not, it's not really what that was about. It was about asking me to slow down in my decision-making and weigh in. If it's hard, Okay, except that it's hard, but think about the benefits at a second and third order level that are going to be positive for you. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, he's pointing out the immediate, you know, you mentioned that, that, you know,
1: something that doesn't just happen immediately. It's easy to kind of just be unaware of. Um, so I was listening to a podcast actually earlier this week um, with, uh, so I think it was, Freakonomics and they it was an interview with Atul Gawande. Uh, he's a surgeon and he wrote a book called The Checklist. And the point was uh in hospitals people should write down um Is
0: it checklist or checklist manifesto?
1: Well oh so the book, yeah, it's checklist manifesto, I believe. Mean. Yeah. Yep. You're right.
0: Thanks for making me feel bad, John. Deal uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go, take that.
1: <laughs> um yeah, so in a, in the conversation with Atul Gawande, um, one of the things he pointed out was two kind of, you might say, discoveries uh, in you know the medical field, one which took off really quickly as far as it went um, across the globe and a lot of doctors ad- adopted it. It had a quick adoption rate. The other one had a slow adoption rate. So, and this is speaking to the whole immediate, uh, how we're a little bit more, we're a bit more aware of the immediate. Consequences of things. Right. The first discovery that was adopted, uh, and then that was adopted quickly was the use of anesthesia. Um, I think it was gas in particular. Um, but you said, you know, within like six years or something, and you know, I'm just going off memory here, but so I could be wrong, but roughly like six years, the use of gas of anesthesia spread across the globe really quickly. Um, a lot of doctors adopted it. On the other hand, uh, the use of just basic sanitation, it has
0: a lot it has much more uh It has it's it it's more impactful. Yes. Simply than the than the anesthesia is. Thank you, John. I, I'm not good with um uh what is it? Words. I'm not words, good words are hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good thing you're a podcaster. Right. Um so
1: the uh yeah the impact of basic sanitation is much more impactful. And yet it took on it was adopted much more slowly. And the reasoning seems to be that, well, for doctors, right, there's no immediate benefit from the sanitation, right? You When they wash their hands or the patient washes their hands or the nurse washes their
0: hands. Or clean instruments or a clean operating room, those sorts of things. Right. There's no immediate effect. Right? It's just not so obvious. Right. Or and, and, and definitely not immediate. Right. And so, but then if you track it,
1: right? If you do research on it and you study what happens to people and who had surgery in a clean environment and someone who had surgery in an unclean environment, those who had it in the clean environment do much, much better. Um, And he said, you know, so it's actually more important that you have the sanitation, but the gas took off, the anesthesia took off because the doctor saw the immediate effect, right? (laughs) You don't have to have people holding down the patient while you try and cut them up with you know, when when they're not uh, on anesthesia, when they're wide awake, right? And it's going to make the surgery easier, right? Because their body's not moving around when you're trying to cut things, especially, you know, parts of the body can be pretty small. It has to be pretty precise um, cuts. I love how you emphasize all the cutting that goes (laughs) on. It's great. Seems most relevant, I guess. Um, So anyways, this is just one of those scenarios, I think, right, where naturally human beings... We It's very easy to focus on the immediate, the first order consequence and not take into account the second and
0: third order. Right. It, that has an additional uh, difficulty to it in that the effects, the observable effects are different and, and it's harder to observe the effect of, of good sanitation and it's easier to observe the effects of anesthesia. Right. Uh, it, it, I guess it's harder to also correlate and maybe triangulate those effects from sanitation later on, you had to, you had to really put some effort into it. Right. Yeah. Like, like you said, with the the anesthesia, the guy's not flopping around, the patient's not flopping around. They can make more precise movements with the person. And it's just has overall better out, obviously better outcome.
1: Right. Yeah. You don't see the causal mechanisms at play with sanitation, right? You don't yeah. see
0: the germs that are going away. No, Um, not easily No, So that might be part of, of this, even though it's not that in itself is not obvious. And what Dalio says is that there are some, some things that are more difficult to observe that we might need to slow down and consider in our, in our evaluations as well. Right. We operate the podcast on the value for value model. We are entirely listener supported. If you enjoy the podcast and find value in the information and entertainment you receive, you can donate to the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Dalio's Principles and click support this podcast. There are even more ways to support the show. You can dazzle all of your friends with information learned on the show and share the show with them on social media. Also, you can review us on iTunes. It'd be awesome if you blog about it or even talked about our podcast on your very own podcast. And you can always direct your friends to our subreddit at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Dalio's principles. And now back to the show. So, Mike, I think we can probably all start to relate this back to our lives, personal and and work lives. So Did you have any experiences in your work life that you might be able to, you know, I always talk about like, how oh, I relate this to my work life. you talk about the philosophy, but maybe you have a work experience to relate. Yeah. You know, I, this is something I think probably all of us have experienced, but you know, I I've had,
1: there's been scenarios where there's been some substantial disagreement about, you know, the kind of a goal of our team. And in particular, you know um, what the, software product should be like, you know, when we're finished and, um, you know, it's been scenarios where maybe, uh, two people had significant disagreements and at one point, maybe one person stopped kind of really pushing for their, um, their position and they just kind of were capitulating or just giving in to the other person. And, you know, we ended up having a meeting where it was asked, you know, how the team is functioning and how things are going well. And I was tempted to just not say anything, but I knew that, you know, it wasn't a perfectly healthy team situation. And so the first order consequence, of course, that I'm thinking about, if I were to mention it, is you might say the pain or the difficult conversation that's likely to result. And so, you know, that made me hesitant to want to bring it up at all. Um, but at the same time, right, if I think long term, second, third order consequences, you know, well, what um, if I don't bring this up, then this issue doesn't get resolved. And if the other person is constantly just giving in to the others, we're not getting as, you know, Ray might say the best ideas heard. Um, and
0: in an, in an idea, meritocratic way.
1: Exactly. Um, cause then, right. You're largely just getting one person's opinion. That's influencing how the software is being built. Um, And so the long-term consequence seems to be bad, right? And so it seems like it's important to go ahead and deal with that immediate pain uh, of a possibly difficult conversation and then hopefully having better long-term consequences. But I I think our tendency is to focus on that initial pain and say, oh, I'll just avoid it because that could be painful.
0: It seems like in addition to your experience in that circumstance that there's someone on the other end of that who stopped stopped putting their idea forward and continuing the discussion because they made a decision to stop experiencing the pain of bringing it up even though maybe they knew that what they were saying was was the better thing the the more correct thing to do but they felt that pain and so they gave gave up as a first order consequence of feeling that pain Rather than pushing through the pain to the second order cons- consequence of a better outcome, right? Yep. So it's two different angles in that particular example. It's interesting. Yeah. And and so, uh, did you push through the pain? Did you go for? Did you did you stop and consider that second order consequence and and beyond? I did. Um, yeah, I went ahead and I raised it in the meeting, and we talked about it. Um, do you feel like overall, uh, it was the right, it was the better thing to do? Did it have a better calculated outcome that you had done it rather than not having done it.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know if I, you know, saw any drastic changes, but it seemed like it maybe helped some
0: good Micah. There's a, another particular quote from, uh, from this relatively short principle in the book, but it says it's almost as though nature sorts us by throwing us trick choices that have both types of consequences and penalizing those who make their decisions based on first order consequences alone. And you, you had an example of, of something that happened in uh, psychology that you wanted to share.
1: Yeah. So there's pretty famous psychology test, um, called the marshmallow test, um, where, and I think there's certain maybe variations of it, but, uh, roughly the idea is, uh, kids would be in a room and the, um, person running the test would come in and they would tell the kid, okay, I have to leave. I'll be gone for a few minutes and then I'll come back. Um, and here's a marshmallow. Uh, if you eat it while I'm gone, that's perfectly fine. You can eat it, you know, but if you wait till I come back to eat the marshmallow, then you can actually have two marshmallows. And the result of the study was that." So they had all these kids do it, um, take the test. And then they followed the children through their lives. And the result of the study was that kids who were able or willing to wait until the person came back so that they could have two marshmallows instead of one, they, on the whole, did better in life, right? They were more successful. Um, And so, right, there's this idea of, look, they were considering the Long-term consequences, right? They weren't just worried about the immediate. Okay, I can get pleasure now, but it's ooh, I can get more pleasure by waiting. Um, now there is some controversy about this test. Uh, I guess some other uh, scientists replicated it and or performed their own tests. And there's they, their claim was that well, this is actually a, a test of affluence uh because they they claimed that kids who are affluent. Were more likely to wait for the second marshmallow they were more able to delay
0: gratification right huh and, okay I hadn't heard that
1: but I then know. I guess there's also been a response and saying no, this is a valid study, so you know, I'll leave it up for the scientists to battle this out but uh, it did just make me think about this because um, right here it is, yeah, delaying gratification um, the kids who think about the second and third order consequences if this test is right, do better in life than the kids who are focused only on the first order of
0: consequence. Gotcha. Okay. So the question is, which one, which one would you be? Would you, are you, do you, were you capable of delaying gratification as a child or would you have not been able to? I would like to think I would
1: have waited for two.
0: Yeah. But I don't know. Um, I, I sort of hate this (laughs) test because I feel like, I would have eaten the marshmallow and the test would have said I would have not been successful. And then I would have to come to grips with, am I successful and all of this sort of thing now. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the mere existence of this test angers me, but, uh, or at least maybe my response, how I, th- how I think I would have done. Right. It, it seems that kids that well, are-
1: you know, you can be the anomaly, right? You're the guy <laughs> who, you're the kid who ate the marshmallow right away and yet was still successful. Oh, in thank life. you.
0: Trying to make me feel good now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is, is a lot about delaying gratification, but it was also testing, you know, would, could how could children sort of distract themselves uh, so that they wouldn't think so much about eat the marshmallow, eat the marshmallow, you know, so there was some of that going on. But it is a very interesting uh, study from a psychological perspective. But what about like philosophical considerations? This is a, this is a rather small principle just in terms of the scope of the, the book um but it it has maybe broader ranging philosophical implications there's maybe some different viewpoints you maybe talk about some naturalist I, i mentioned the uh uh hedonist but a little bit so what's the naturalist view
1: yeah so the naturalist view is you know would be you know there's you know no god there's no supernatural things in the world um you know no supernatural beings. um but you know, it's about this question, right of, yeah, why couldn't the world be the other way around as far as why is it that uh, first order consequences, as Ray puts it, tend to have opposite desirability, um, so that you know if something is pleasurable on a first order, it tends to have bad outcomes, second, third, con- you know order, and then things which are bad on the first order consequence as a first order consequence like you know, something doesn't taste good or something, tends to have good effects at the second and third order as second third order consequences. So yeah, there's this question of well, why couldn't it be the other way around? Why couldn't it just be good first order consequences also have good second and third order consequences? Like why not? That
0: would be awesome. It would be awesome. <laughs> and I guess not everything, not everything is always that way, but there's a lot of that are that way.
1: True, right. So yeah, we can speak a little more carefully and say why is it there's at least as much of this opposite desirability going on in the world? Um, so you know yeah the nat- so we might think about this from two viewpoints, right? so if you're a naturalist or if you're not a naturalist, but you just want to kind of take on the naturalist viewpoint for a second, you could think about well why you know, why is it that nature is like this? Um, so obviously right, there's a surface level. Explanation that, you know, we've already talked about as far as from an evolutionary perspective, you know, at least with foods that taste good, right? They're higher density. That made sense when food was scarce, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, you might say, as Ray might, from a higher level, right? When we think about this, Ray kind of talks about nature as though like nature almost decides things to be one way over the other. And so then it's like, well, why didn't nature make things? A different way, right? Um if if nature is quote unquote so concerned with the evolution of the world, why didn't it you know and having us evolve towards some higher state, why not just put us in that higher state to start off with, right? Mm, yeah. Why why start off in a lower state and go to a higher state? And again, I mean ultimately I think Ray's just gonna say, well, it's not like nature does have a brain it doesn't have a mind. Um but uh right so that's something you can think about it from the naturalistic perspective. Uh, but we might also take on what's uh, you know a theistic perspective, right? Where you do think that there is a supernatural being or beings. If God is, typically God's considered to be omnipotent, right? All powerful. So he presumably could have made the world any way that he wanted to, right? Instead yeah. of, you know, food that is scarce, he could have made all kinds of like lollipop fields, right? You know, oh, lollipop of, fields, brock fields of broccoli, it's fields of lollipops and uh, you know, rivers of chocolate or whatever. It's kind of uh, like a Willy Wonka thing, you yeah, know, uh, without the scary Gene Hammonds <laughs> And scary, the scary um, Oompa Loompas, yeah, <laughs> right. Um,
0: but you know, presumably he could have made it Gene Wilder, not Gene, Gene Wilder, Hackman. right? Yeah, I got gotcha. you, my genes mixed up, yeah, <laughs> and uh, so.
1: Really, this is what's called the problem of evil, right? If, if God is all-powerful, um, if he's all-knowing, and if he's loving, why would he create a world in which there's evil at all? Or some versions of it are, well, why does he create the existence of so much evil? Um, and so uh, the one of the common responses was called this soul-making theodicy. Uh, theodicy is an explanation for why God would allow evil. But the idea is that if God is going to create a world in which we get to make our own souls, you might say, in the sense of we get to decide or have an influence on the kind of person we are, or kind of person we become, the world couldn't be absolutely perfect, right? Um, if there was no possibility of evil in the world, then um, you wouldn't have the chance to do, you might say, perform significant actions.
0: Right. You couldn't choose to be evil. That's the thing. It's the free choice thing. Right. So there has to be a bad, there has to be a, a bad choice for there to be a good choice. Otherwise we have no choice at all. Right. Well, and Everything so is preordained.
1: Could, so you could have choices between various good things, right? You could, it's possible. Oh, I have choice A, which is good. Choice B is good. Choice C is good. Okay. So you could have free will in that sense. Uh-huh. Um, even if there is no evil. But the argument typically is, well, you wouldn't have you might say morally significant free will you wouldn't have the option to choose between a which is good and b which is bad um so if you're going to have morally significant free will there at least has to be the ability to choose evil um and right so again the idea might be you can choose are you going to become a loving person or are you going to become a selfish person those kinds of things um, that's a very difficult topic as far as, you know, there's lots that goes into it. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I just remember at one point, it was after I think after I'd graduated college, you know, that thought struck me of, right. right. Cause yeah, I'd studied to be a pastor and I remember having this thought of, well, wait a minute. God could have created the world almost any way he wanted to. Why is it that it's not as easy as I would like it to be? So. Anyways, I'll let uh, our listeners think about that one more.
0: Those, these are good points to ponder. Yes. To, to end this episode. And I think that these are things that people, many people ponder about uh, free will choice. If there's a God, why did he, why does he allow for there to be evil in the world? And all of these things sort of play into that. So we'll leave, we'll leave everyone with these very deep points to ponder. Feel free to give your answers uh, to us, you know, on Twitter or something. Or on Reddit. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Okay. So that's, we'll wrap up principle 1.8 and we'll be back next time with principle 1.9. Thanks, Micah. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening. Let's keep the conversation going on our subreddit, Dalio's Principles at reddit.com. The subreddit is Dalio's Principles, all one word. Join us to interact with a community of like-minded individuals.